Good morning, church. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 15 through 23. Hear now this word. Now at the festival, the governor, that is Pontius Pilate, was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man. For today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? All of them said, Let him be crucified. Then he asked, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, we're coming to the end of our journey through the, the gospel of Matthew. And as we've been journeying together during the season of Lent, we've been asking the question about God's characteristics of his kingdom and what it means that Jesus is king. That uh, we've been looking at these characteristics of, of Jesus as Messiah and his kingship, and that we shouldn't be placing the crown on our heads, but that we should be placing the crown on Jesus's head as king. But what does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus is king? And, and Matthew's been making a specific claim about Jesus's kingship, about him being the Messiah, the one who had come to save. The one who had come to save us from our sins. But the characteristics of Jesus as king look vastly different from what the people expected uh, of Jesus. Of what the people expected of a Messiah. They wanted a conquering king. And in effect, they did get a conquering king. But Jesus didn't conquer in the ways they expected. Jesus conquered with humbleness, with humility with love and forgiveness and justice and completely obeying God's law and his will. That king didn't look like any king they had ever seen before. But Matthew has laid out the evidence from chapter 1 through the end and, and he has made the case. And now we are faced with the question, what do we do with the king? What do we do with the king? And and I believe that everyone is faced with this question. At some time in your life or other, you are going to be faced with this question. What do you do with the king? What do you do with Jesus? And how we answer this question makes all the difference in the world. Pontius Pilate was no exception. As the governor of this area of Judea, he was appointed by the, the Roman emperor Tiberius. And he was over the military for this area as well. And 
and Pilate's job was basically to keep the peace, to make sure that everything went smoothly. And, and he was faced with a difficult situation with Jesus. What to do with Jesus? And it was a, a Friday morning, and I'm sure that Pilate must have had a difficult week dealing with the population of Jerusalem because it was the week of Passover. And, and, the, and there were visitors from all over the world who had, had come to Jerusalem. And I'm sure he was meeting with uh, his centurions and the army and the officials every day, getting reports about uh, what was going on in the city. I, I'm sure he was ready for the week to be over, for this Jewish holiday to be done with. Now, of course, uh, all of these people coming in was good for the local economy, but I, I know as a leader that sometimes you just, you, you want things to be done and it can go back to normal. Uh, and, and I'm sure that these local Jewish leaders, they probably drove them crazy at times. Uh, he was constantly maneuvering to try to appease these Jewish leaders to keep the peace. And, and I'm sure this... Jewish belief system of one God seems strange to him. As, as a good Roman citizen, I'm sure he wondered, why can't they just follow these Roman gods? And so I'm sure he wasn't pleased when his morning was interrupted by these, this mob of Jewish religious leaders coming in, demanding to have an audience with him. And he could see that there was someone with him who was bound and under their control. Now, we don't know if Pilate had ever met Jesus before this day. Now, I'm sure he'd heard reports of Jesus. There's no way he couldn't have. Uh, I'm sure he had heard some of the reports about the miracles he had done, the so-called healings that people said that he had healed others. But we know for sure that uh, he had received some type of report about Jesus because it was just the Sunday before where Jesus had entered into the temple and was teaching and he began to overturn the tables of those selling in the temple area. That had caused an uproar and I'm sure the, uh, the soldiers marking Jesus, where he was going, what he was doing. I wonder if Pilate was curious to finally meet Jesus. What was going through his head as, as Jesus stood there in front of him? And Pilate asked a curious question. Of all the questions he could have asked, I, I wonder why he asked this question. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? Not why are you here? Why have these Jewish leaders brought you before me? Why are you chained? What's your side of the story? Uh, are you some type of prophet? Have you, are you come to lead a rebellion? No, it's, are you the king of the Jews? And we know that Jesus re replies, you say so. And then the, the religious leaders, they, they are incensed by this, and they start to accuse him of all these different things. But Jesus doesn't respond. He doesn't give an answer to any of their claims. And the text says that Pilate is greatly amazed. You know, Pilate was used to interrogating prisoners. He was used to seeing people come in and out and trying to prove their, their innocence, even though they were guilty. But Jesus didn't respond like a normal prisoner. And Pilate knows that the, these Jewish leaders, they're, they're jealous of Jesus. And that the only reason that they're there is because of that jealousy. He, he can see that Jesus really hasn't done anything wrong. He knows that uh, 
the religious leaders are there only because Jesus is causing some internal division between them. He wishes that we'd all just kind of go away. But he has to hear them. He has to try to appease them. But Pilate wasn't a fool. He was adept at politics. He, he knew how to get things done. He, his job, though, was to keep the peace, as fragile as that might be at certain times, especially during the week of Passover. So Pilate has a plan, though, to help get out of this situation that he finds himself in. And, and I think it's a pretty good plan, in fact. You see, it had been Pilate's custom to release a prisoner sometime during the week of Passover as a, as a sign of goodwill, as a sign of peace, of a, as a sign of trying to get along with the people there. And at the time, there was a notorious prisoner named Jesus Barabbas that Pilate was holding as prisoner. And, and so he asked the crowd that had started together, do you want me to hand over Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? Now, here's what I find fascinating. There were most likely other prisoners that Pilate could have released to the crowd and that Pilate could have brought out. But I find it fascinating that he chose this man. See, Luke tells us that this Jesus Barabbas had led an insurrection and was a murderer. He was the worst of the worst. This is the man who, who Pilate brings forward to possibly have uh, relieved. And, and Pilate thought for sure that the people would say, there's no way that we're going to have them release Jesus Barabbas. We wouldn't want a murderer on the loose. See, Pilate bet on the crowd's sensibility, their, their logic, that they, knowing who they were, Pilate chose Barabbas specifically because he knew there was no way they would choose a murderer over some rabbi who claimed to have some beliefs and claimed to heal people. Do you want a known murderer released? Or do you want some wandering rabbi who seemingly can heal people and, and draw a crowd released? But the fascinating thing is, is that the crowd chose Jesus Barabbas to be released. Just reflect on that for a moment. Left to our own devices, humanity, we, we choose chaos, we choose murder. We choose Barabbas, we choose insurrection, we choose a false Jesus. Isn't it ironic it's also ironic that Barabbas means son of the father. And we would choose the false son of the father over the real son of the father. The Jesus we want is the one who has decided for himself how to live and, and demanded that the world operate the way he wants it to operate. This Jesus Barabbas is selfish, demanding, arrogant, murderous, and deserving of death. It's the same with us. Too often we choose the false Jesus. What Jesus do you want? Too often, left to our own devices, we choose to place the crown on our heads. We would rather be the king of our own destinies. We want to be in charge. We want to do what we want to do and not what God wants to do. 
And Matthew tells us that while this whole debacle is going on, that, that, that Pilate is actually sitting in the judgment seat to make judgment. And, and someone brings a note to him from his wife. And, and basically the note says, it's from his wife, it says, have nothing to do with this Jesus, this innocent man. And she says, I've, I've, I've been in turmoil over this. Uh, and I think it's just fascinating that a, a pagan Roman governor's wife knows Jesus is innocent. If only Pilate had listened to his wife's advice. Men, there's a good word there for you as well. But let's return to the text again for a moment. This is this, verse 20. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Verse 22, Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? What do you do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? That, that question has haunted me as I've studied this text this past week. What do I do with Jesus, the Messiah? What do you do with Jesus, the King? This is the question that we are all faced with in one way or another. Pilate didn't want to be in this situation. Pilate wanted to skirt around Jesus. He didn't want to come face to face with the king of the Jews. He didn't want to decide. He didn't want to have to be backed into a corner. And the, the religious leaders indeed had, had kind of backed him into a corner and forced him to make an answer of what to do with this king. But more than the religious leaders backing him into a corner, God had backed him into a corner. What are you going to do with the king? All of us have to decide. What are we going to do with the king? That's the question we are all faced with. So many of us live our lives in a manner that we don't want to think about the question. We try to, to keep busy and, and, and we're so busy with family, with work, with friends, with things that go on in our life that we, we oftentimes don't ask the question until there's that moment where we're driving in the car and the radio's off or that uh, moment when we are the, in the in-between and that we unexpectedly have more time on our hands, just like we do possibly now with this pandemic and the question peaks up every once in a while. What do we do with Jesus? We can't get around that question because God demands an answer. What are we going to do with the king? What do you do with the king? How did the people in the crowd answer? Verse 22, all of them said, let him be crucified. Then he asked, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Pilate bows to the wishes of the people. He releases Barabbas and sentences Jesus to death on a cross. When faced with the crowds and the truth, Pilate chose the crowds. He knew Jesus was innocent. His wife had told him Jesus was innocent. He had already interviewed Jesus. He knew that he hadn't done anything wrong. But when faced with the question, what do you want me to do with Jesus? He bows to the wishes of the crowd. He doesn't stand up for the true king. And his decision seals his fate. 
in a sense, Pilate, Pontius Pilate, has now become more famous than the emperor who governed at that time, Emperor Tiberius. Pontius Pilate, most of us know his name. Most of us can't remember which Herod is ruling at this time, but we remember the name Pontius Pilate. His name has been recited weekly since the 4th century in the church. In both the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. In the Apostles' Creed, it says, suffered under Pontius Pilate. In the Nicene Creed, it says, for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. What do you do with the king? How we answer that question determines our life. For Pilate, it condemned his life. But we know the rest of the story. Pilate hands Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. And the soldiers begin to mock Jesus. They they don't realize that they're actually playing into the most important drama of history. They strip Jesus of the clothes and they robe him in scarlet. What a true king should wear in the first place. And then they crown Jesus, but not with a regular crown, but with a crown of thorns that they placed upon his brow. And then they put a reed in his, in his hand, and it was his scepter. And then they began to mock him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. But in irony of ironies, what was meant as mockery, what was meant as a scandal, what was meant for evil, what they meant for sport and jest, became the coronation of the king. They were playing into the purpose in which Jesus had come. This was his mission. This was why he was coming to earth. This was his true kingship. This was the true king and the crown that he wore. Here is our king. Hail to the king of the Jews. Hail to the king of the world. That's what they shouted. And they shouted truth. As they led him to the cross to to crucify him between two thieves, there was a sign placed above Jesus' head. And it read this. Here is Jesus, the King of the Jews. No true words were ever written. So the question again, what do you do with the King? All of us have to answer in some way or another. What will you do with the King? The king of the world has chosen to die in your place for your sins. The king has chosen you. The king died for you and the king invites you to come and be a part of his kingdom. So this morning, I want to invite you and to ask you the question, will you have Jesus as your king? Let us pray. Thank you, O God for this day that we can come to remember the passion of Jesus, this King who has come to save the world and save us from our sins. What will we do with the King? Help us, O God, in this moment to place our trust in Jesus as King. May we bow before His kingship May we humbly accept that gift of salvation that he offers to all who call upon him. If any are listening this moment and have not allowed Jesus to be king, Lord, will you open their heart to you right now? 
so that they can say with confidence, you are my king, you are my savior, you are my God. And may they know your salvation in this moment. Come Holy Spirit and speak to them and speak to us. Open our hearts to you, that we may love as you love. Open our eyes and our ears. We thank you for King Jesus. We praise you, and we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.